Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. We are in a series called Save the Date, and uh, the reason we named it this is because um, when you, you've got a date that you're excited about, you kind of save that date on your, on your calendar. When you're engaged or you have a, a wedding date, you ask other people to save the date so that they can celebrate it with you. When you've had a breakup and kind of, or going through a rough time, you kind of remember those dates. You save them in your memory and, and in your history. And sometimes when unexpectedly uh, a relationship comes to an end, you, you also remember that. And so Save the Date has um, a wide meaning and understanding of the series that we're in, in terms of talking about singleness and marriage and everything in between. I want to just give you a quick review of last Sunday in case you missed it. And we talked about everything that you need. And we looked at the subject of in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when it talks about how God looks at man and it says that it's not good for him to be alone. And we talked about being alone and talked about loneliness and, and the challenge of that and how sometimes we just accept the fact that we may be alone or we accept the fact that we're not going to find someone or we're not going to be with someone. And, and that's not God's plan or purpose for our lives. In fact, in the scriptures, we see that God intentionally limits himself in being everything. He doesn't want to be everything, but he wants to be the one who supplies all of our needs. And so what he desires for us to capture is that we're not going to have everything in God. If that was the case, if that's what he wanted, then he would have just left Adam alone with him. But he didn't do that. He says it's not good for him to be alone. How could Adam be alone if God is with him? If they're going for walks? Because it's not everything. And we know it's not everything. And even if we convince ourselves it's enough, we know it's not. And, and that's because God created us for more. And so God... In his plan, he limits himself to not be everything that you need. And in his plan, he knows that he's also the only one who can supply all your needs. So you can't decide how God will supply those needs. He's just going to do it. He's going to make that promise to you that he's going to meet those needs. He's going to help you every step of the way. The second thing that we learned was that God has a purpose. And his purpose is that he wants you to form an unbeatable team. He wants you to actually have dominion over all the earth. He puts someone in your life so that you can have authority over things that normally would have authority over you. And he knows that if you are well accompanied, if you are with someone, that that is what he can provide. He can give you dominion 
over things that naturally would have dominion over you. You can't do it without God, but you certainly can't do it alone. So he wants to bring someone into your life to do that with. And the third thing is that God makes a promise. And the promise is that you will be fruitful. You will experience multiplication when you trust him. And he will put the right person into your life so that you can be fruitful, so that you can multiply. That's his heart. That's his desire. That's his promise. And then we learned that we can't live life at our level. We can't live life at a level that is lower or beneath our own, but either we are to live life at God's level. And when we live life at God's level, then we understand what He can actually do for us instead of what we in turn will settle for. And instead of us settling for what we think we can get, we need to hold out for life at God's level. Now today we're going to be talking about the advice that you actually need. A lot of people are excellent at giving advice. Horrible at taking it. And know anybody like that? <laughs> we sometimes are like that. We have, we have this ability to, to just like, you know, give other people wisdom. But then there's areas of our life that reflect that we haven't actually arrived at the place where we're applying the wisdom that we're giving out. And that's true for me. Uh, I do it. Uh, you can talk to anybody who's a therapist or is in psychotherapy of some form or someone who's a counselor, someone who does this. Uh, they sometimes will know what to tell others but are still struggling in their own life to put it into practice. This is true for all of us, right? We sometimes know the right thing, but we don't always know how to put it into practice. We're not ready for it. We're making other decisions. We're allowing our emotions to take over. We're pursuing the wrong promise. And I think that in the story that we're going to look at, there's a, a beautiful story in Genesis chapter 24. And now Isaac is, is at a different place in his life. He's ready to take that next step in his life and he's ready to be married. His father identifies this and recognizes this. But he also knows that he doesn't want the promise that God has given them as a family for that to be corrupted, for that to be compromised, for that to somehow possibly even be canceled out if Isaac chooses the wrong person. See, everything that God would have done in Abraham was supposed to continue in Isaac. But the problem is, is that if Isaac doesn't make the right choice and the right decision, then it all is for nothing. The promise cannot be fulfilled just in Abraham's life. It has to also be fulfilled through Isaac's. And the promise that God gives us isn't just one that is just dependent on us to fulfill on its own. God is saying, even through the promise, through the story that we're looking at, I'm going to give you the promise and I will make sure that it comes to pass. But it isn't just for you. It's for the generations that follow. And we need the generations that follow for the promise to come true. And so every generation, every person has a responsibility in seeing that the promise is fulfilled. So when we look at ourselves in this room, we may think of ourselves as insignificant in God's plan and purpose. 
We may think of ourselves as being unnecessary in his fulfillment of the promise, but it's wrong. You see, the promise only works if everyone in this room believes that the promise is for them. And that the promise that was given to Abraham, that was passed down to Isaac, that is given to Jacob, has now been passed down to us. And if I don't live according to that same understanding and the same promise of that promise, then the promise doesn't get fulfilled. See, it isn't just for Abraham. And Abraham knows this. He knows that it must continue in Isaac. And it has to be in the choice that he makes. So he goes to his loyal friend and, and he asks him to make a vow. And he says, hey, I want you to make this vow that you were going to go out. But you're going to go out and you're going to find someone for my son who is of the same faith. Someone who believes like we do. And that was key. And so what we're going to do today is that we're going to learn from Abraham and the advice that he gives. We're going to learn from his loyal friend and the advice that he gives. But we're also going to learn from Isaac and Rebecca and the advice that they want to give us. And so as we look at their wisdom, I hope that what we will do is that we'll understand how this applies so deeply and strongly for our own lives. So let's begin in Genesis chapter 24, and we're just going to read four verses, and then you have to trust me for the rest of the story, okay? And if you want to read the whole story, you can just read it for yourself later, but it's in Genesis chapter 24, and then verses 1 to 4. And in this passage, we say, Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. And one day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, I want you to take an oath and I want you to, by putting your hand under my thigh, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. And I want you to go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and I want you to find a wife there for my son, Isaac. And so what we see here is that he's very clear about where he should find this wife, where it is that he needs to be. And so this is Abraham's advice. The first thing that he says to each and every one of us in this room is that you must marry someone of the same faith. You cannot make an exception there. And we're going to understand why. But that's the first thing he says. You need to marry someone of the same faith. The second thing is that they too must make the journey of faith towards the promise. Now what he says is that even though he's in Canaan, he knows there's no one who believes in the promise, even though they're in Canaan. But he knows that there might be someone in Mesopotamia where he came from. And so strangely enough, he's saying that that person that they need to choose has to be someone who's willing to leave Mesopotamia for Canaan. 
In the same way that Abraham had to leave it, in the same way that Isaac had to leave it, now this woman, whoever she is, has to do the same thing. In other words, let's say you meet someone and they're not someone of the same faith. Well, they're going to have to leave Mesopotamia and go towards Canaan. They're going to have to go on the same journey that you've been on. They're going to have to leave that place for the place that you know where you can inherit the promise. And so if you make a decision to go back, it's only to make sure that that person is willing to go forward. And if they're not willing to go forward, well, then they're not the right person for you. And the third thing that Abraham tells the servant is that God is not going to allow for the promise to go unfulfilled. Abraham has this confidence that even though he is entrusting his servant, the only thing he needs from the servant is for the servant to be loyal. What he needs his friend and his employee, the master of his household, to do is to make sure that he remains faithful to the promise. I don't want you to deviate from my commands. If you don't deviate from my commands, he's telling the, the servant, he's telling his friend, he's telling his employee, if you don't deviate from what I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go there, you're going to find the right person, and you're going to bring them back. And so sometimes when we are surrounded by people who don't believe that can happen, you know what happens? It doesn't happen. When you have people advising you to the contrary and they're telling you it doesn't matter who you choose, it doesn't matter who you're with, it doesn't matter, this is how you make the mistake right from the start. And Abraham is saying, listen, I want you to take your hand and put it under my thought. I know it sounds highly sexual, it's kind of weird, but it's not that kind of thing. But what Abraham was doing is that I am making myself completely vulnerable to you. And he's saying that um, this is where... I am showing you that I trust you fully and completely. And this is how I'm asking you to be someone who I can trust fully and completely. And, and when he says this to him, he's saying, this promise can only be fulfilled if you are loyal. Let me ask you something. Are you loyal? Are you faithful? Are you trustworthy? Are you someone that when God says, here's my promise, you don't waver from that. Here are my instructions, you follow them. You don't deviate from them because you've made a vow. You've made a promise. You know, I know it's not easy to live that way, to do those things, but but Abraham is convinced that there's nothing that is going to interfere with that promise. In fact, in Genesis chapter 12, in verses 1 to 3, there's a promise that is outlined there. I'm just going to give you the highlights. And the first is that Abraham has to go forth. He has to go out. And then God says, I'm going to show you. But the first thing you need to do is you need to go forth. The second thing is I'm going to show you. And then you're going to become a great nation. But how? Because I'm going to bless you. How? Because I'm going to make your name great. How? Because you will, you'll be able to be a blessing to others. And then he says, 
whoever blesses you will be blessed and whoever curses you will be cursed. I know there's a lot of people in this room who have heard people curse them. And even if you haven't heard it, you know they are. <laughs> you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their face. That even though they open up their arms uh, to give you an embrace, you know that behind your back they are cursing you. And maybe you come from a cultural background where you're worried about curses. I'm Italian, we're always worried about curses. <laughs> we don't know how long those things have, uh, have been passed down from generation to generation. And I know that I'm not the only culture who thinks this way. I know there's a lot of people who think this way, but here's what I came to understand when I became a follower of Jesus. I began to believe in the promise that only those who bless me would be blessed. And if those around me would curse me, they'd be cursed. Because I believed that God's blessing on my life was the only blessing I needed. And it didn't matter what others were thinking, what they were doing. If God wanted me to be blessed, there was no one who was gonna close that door. And if he didn't want me to have it, there was no one who'd be able to open it. Not even me. And when you understand this, you live free. And you live with a promise that when you go out into this world, you know that God is with you and he's going to lead you in everything, including in finding the right person. But we have to be loyal to God. We have to be faithful to the vow. We have to understand what he's asking of us so that we in turn can experience it. But what we want is for God to bless us and to be with us even though we've already broken the vow. Even though we're not living according to his level, to his standard, to what he has set forth. We want the blessings without having to do the obedience. And I get that because God is so gracious, he's so merciful, he's so loving towards all of us. Like he's, he's blessed me even after I've done some of the worst things. I, I, I remember saying to myself, I don't get it. Why am I getting this now when after I, I have failed you, God, so much? When I've disappointed you, when, I, when I've hurt your heart, how could you bless me with this? I don't deserve this. So we, we keep thinking that, that even though, you know, we're imperfect and God understands our, our imperfections and, and understands our weaknesses, that we can just live at that level and never, and never level up, never change, never improve. We expect this of other people to change, to, to get better, to make, to make improvements. Is it, is it not true? We look to them and say, you're always here at the same level. Why aren't you doing better? And yet sometimes we look at ourselves and, and, and we're kind of like leveled out where we are spiritually and God's looking at us and saying, you still want me to bless you, but you're not really progressing. You know what you need to do, but you don't want to do it. You're not making any sacrifices to leave it, abandon it, and to move in this direction of the promise. You want me to keep blessing you and I want to do that, but, but at a certain point you also need to understand that you've got to level up. And so what happens is that the loyal friend gives us advice too. And the loyal friend, he says, 
Abraham, you don't have to do this alone. Abraham, you don't have to carry this promise by yourself. I will be the one who goes out in your name, believing and trusting in the same God. And it's amazing when you can find someone like that, someone that you can turn to, someone that you can depend on, someone that you can say, hey, you're gonna be the person that I'm gonna lean on so that we make sure that the promise of God gets fulfilled in our life. That the thing that needs to happen, happens, but I know I can't do this by myself. Abraham, the father of the faith, is depending on his friend to make sure that this happens. If Abraham has someone to depend on, it means he's not supposed to do this alone. I mean, he could just rely on God and just say, God's just going to do it. I don't know how, but he's going to do it. I'm Abraham. He's promised me everything. I'm just going to trust God that he's going to do it. But no, he gives instructions to his friend. And his friend is going to carry them out. And the first thing that we see from the friend, and this is the advice that he gives us, that even if you doubt that God is with you, don't doubt the God of Abraham. So, so when the servant gets asked to do this, he's doubting whether or not he can make it happen. But then he prays and he says, if you do this, it's not because of me. It's because of the fact that you are the God of Abraham. And so sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, I'm not good enough. I'm not far enough. There's so many things that I'm not doing, but can you trust the God of Abraham? The answer is yes, you can. And so when he prays, he prays to God himself, he prays. And when he prays, he prays as a servant of Abraham, but also putting his faith in the God of Abraham. See yourself as a servant of Abraham today. See yourself as the one who is carrying on the promise that was given to Abraham. The God that gave it to him is the one who gives it to you. And so when you're doubting yourself and doubting your place and doubting your faith and doubting whether or not you are worthy, you pray. You pray to the God of Abraham. You trust in the God of Abraham. And you know that the God who made that promise to Abraham is continuing to make that promise to you. The second thing he says is that he knows that praying to the God of Abraham will bring the guidance that he needs in his decision making. He doesn't know what he's going to face. He doesn't know what he's going to encounter. He doesn't know who's going to come his way. He doesn't know if he's going to have to choose from one woman or from hundreds. He has no idea. He has no clue whether or not he should keep the app or delete the app. Anybody else made that decision? How many of you <laughs> have downloaded the app and then deleted the app this year, just this year alone, right? It's probably happened. And we're only in February. And sometimes it's like that. You don't know how God is going to lead you. But the God of Abraham is the God who helps you make decisions. 
And so what the guy does is that he turns to the God of Abraham and he turns to God and he says, I'm not going to know how to make the right decision in every situation, but I know that you can guide me. I know that you're going to show me what I need to see in the moment that I'm in it. And I don't want to pay attention to my emotions. I don't want to you know, pay attention to my biological clock. I don't want to pay attention to my failed relationships. I don't want to pay attention to all the reasons that I already have as why it's okay to go in this direction. I know that that is not enough. I'm going to need you, God, to guide my decisions. I'm going to have to trust in you. And you're going to have to make it clear to me because well, you know, you know how dense I am. You know how hard it is to get through to me sometimes. You know that even when I'm asleep or even when I'm awake, even when I think I've got it and I think I understand it, you know that I'm still making mistakes. So God, I need you to make this abundantly clear. Can you trust in the God of Abraham like that? I think the answer is yes. God knows how to speak to you, how to get through to you, how to make it clear to you. You know, often I argue with my wife, and I'm not going to say often, but let's say it happens. <laughs> and the reason it happens is often because of a misunderstanding, right? And it happens because I'm trying to communicate something, but she's not, she, I'm not communicating to her the way she needs to hear it. Okay, I'm going to take responsibility. I'll try. <laughs> but sometimes I also know it's the way she listens. It's the way she hears me. I'm saying it one way, but she's hearing it in another way. Because we've been married for 26 years. And so she's used to me in a certain way. She can't sometimes unhear what she's already heard. Does that make sense? And so when she hears me in the moment, she's only hearing me according to what she's already lived. Even though I'm saying it different, even though I'm trying really hard, and even though I am still in the patience zone, I'm about to leave at any moment, but I'm still in it. I can't tell you for how long, but I'm in it. And I'm in it to win it. I really am. Not the argument, but the moment, so that I don't lose it. And I think all of us can understand that. And what happens is that because we're used to a certain way of doing things, hearing things, living things, experiencing things, man, God needs to work extra hard to get through. Isn't it true? Extra hard in our marriage relationships, in our partnerships, extra hard in our communication, extra hard. And, and, and I know this to be true. For, for all of us, God wants to guide our decision-making. But he also knows that there's a lot of things standing in the way of that. Even the way that we hear him speak. And sometimes God's commands, which are meant for our healing and our prosperity and our blessing and the continuation of the promise, it just sounds harsh. It sounds limiting. It sounds like he's trying to keep us from what we really want, when instead he's trying to direct us all along to what we should always have had.
but it's hard to get through to that. And so we need God to do something. And so in the story, Abraham speaks to his loyal friend and he says to him, I want you to believe that God is going to send an angel and he's going to go before you and he's going to prepare the way. Now, I want you to be able to understand that, that God, while he can go himself, he also has messengers at his disposal. And those angels are commanded by Jesus. We pray to Jesus that gives us access to the Father. And the Father commands the angels through his Son, who is the leader of those angels. We don't pray to angels. We don't depend and rely on angels. We depend on Jesus who commands them. We know this because even when Jesus was tempted in the desert, the angels that were present in that moment, there was one angel in particular who was a fallen angel, who was Lucifer, turns to Jesus and says to him, you know that if you throw yourself even from the pinnacle of the temple, the angels won't allow you to hurt yourself. Command them and they will protect you. And even Lucifer knew that all the angels were at his and under his authority. And so why is this important? It's important because not only does Abraham believe that an angel will go before him, but it gives confidence to the loyal friend that an angel is going before him now. See, he isn't just praying, but he's believing and he's trusting God that God is going to lead him the rest of the way. And how? Well, he's going to send an angel to go before him. How many of you need an angel to go before you? Sent by God to prepare the way. To help you make the right decision. To make the right choice. To bring the fulfillment of the promise into your life. You see, God is saying, do you know that you can pray for this? Do you know that you can ask for this? Do you know that you can believe in this? Do you know that you can trust this? I don't know if you live your life thinking that angels go before you, but it's about time you do. It's about time that you understand that God has put you under a promise that is so great that he is able to send angels before you so that you experience what he wants you to have instead of what you think you're alone in trying to bring. You see, Abraham wasn't alone. The loyal friend wasn't alone. Even when he was alone on the journey, going by himself, guess what happened? God made sure an angel went before him so that he would never be alone. I want, I want God to eradicate loneliness from my mind and from my heart. And I want to believe in the promises of God instead. In the promise that he wants to put someone by my side. In the promise that he'll put someone before me. In the promise that he will not allow for the promise to go unfulfilled. You see, when I live my life like that, things come to me. Things happen. 
breakthroughs take place because I am not trusting in outcomes and circumstances. I am trusting in the God who controls all of that. And I need you to live your life like that. Don't just accept the state that you're in, but believe in the promise that God has made. God knows it's not okay for you to be alone, whether you're in a relationship or not. He's saying that these principles can be applied to you and can help you and can bless you and can enrich you and can prepare you for greater things. Why are you settling for the way things are when he has something greater in store for you? But you got to go for it. And you got to believe that he's already sent an angel before you even decide to go for it. And you got to believe that he's going to make sure that that promise is fulfilled no matter what. I know it's not easy because our circumstances are speaking to the contrary. But what if God's got something else in store for us? Here's what Isaac says. Isaac gives us three really important things. The first thing is that Isaac is the single guy in the story. And there's something that Isaac did that people don't understand he actually did. Abraham is the one who's credited for this, but Isaac is also the one who volunteered for it. And that is to be offered up as a sacrifice. Isaac already knows what it's like to die to himself because he already had to come to that decision when his father tied him up and put him on an altar and was going to kill him. Isaac already knows what it means to die to your own desires, to die to your future to die to whatever might have been. Isaac knows that because he has offered himself as a sacrifice. And the moment that he did that, the second thing we learn is that God provides. Abraham was willing and ready to sacrifice Isaac because he knew that God would provide somehow. He didn't know how, but he trusted him. Isaac trusted God that he would provide. And guess what? a ram was in the bushes for them to sacrifice instead. And God tells Abraham, put the knife down. You don't have to do this because one day I will. And then God offers up his son as a sacrifice. Abraham, you don't have to do it because one day I will. But I want you to know how hard it is to give up your only son. Who's the fulfillment of the promise. And I'm going to show you that I'm going to follow through on that so that you and everyone after you gets to inherit the promise. What God does in the story is that God provided then and he knows that God will provide again. So he knows, Isaac knows that he cannot go backwards. Now, a lot of us, we keep going backwards. That's where we come up with the term backsliding. Have you heard, you heard of this term? It, it's not the moonwalk, it's, 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 it's actually a spiritual state of, of being somewhere, trying to go forward, but instead of going forward spiritually, we keep, you know, you thought I'm, I'm not gonna do it, because I, but, but, but I, I can, I can. It's no, no time for me to show off. I'm trying to teach something here, so we're gonna move on. But I'm telling you, that it's easy for us to just slide back into the old patterns. Anybody else notice that? Like it's easy to slide back into the person we were. 
you know, saying the same words, having the same thoughts, you know, the same actions. We resist for a while, then we cave a little, and sometimes we get comfortable to, to, to cave, like, you know, a lot. And often, and so often that we're just back where we were. And so what Isaac understands is that he can't go back to where he came from. His wife now has to come to the place where he is. She's going to have to go on the same journey that he did. Because if she doesn't go on that journey, she'll never be able to inherit the promise with him. Come on. You got to like that a little bit. <laughs> he knows he can't go back because he knows she can only come forward. He can't go back to where he came from. And so why do we keep doing that in relationships? Man, we're a stubborn bunch, eh? We want things to be different, but we keep doing the same things. And I want you to understand that what Isaac gets, and I think sometimes we don't get, if God was able to bring me back from the dead, then why can't I trust him to bring me a woman or a man when I'm alive? If I can trust God to provide, then... Why am I struggling to believe that he can provide now? That he can change my marriage, change my relationship, change me. So that I can be someone who fulfills the promise in my relationship. So that I can be someone who waits for the right relationship. Someone who doesn't keep going back into Mesopotamia, which is the world, but will only go forward into Canaan, which is the fulfillment of the promise. You see, we got to leave to cleave. And the Bible says that if you don't leave, you don't get to cleave. You don't get to be with the person that he is giving you. But you've got to leave what's the past, even if it's something that you had with your mother and father. You have to have something new. That something new has to be the promise that he's giving you. The leaving is essential in, in the experiencing of the promise. If you don't leave, you don't get to have it. And so the loyal friend goes and he chooses and here's what Isaac says, it's the third thing. Even though it's the loyal friend that is going and the loyal friend that is choosing, I know that God is the one who's choosing for me. Isaac just believes that it's gonna be okay. He not only trusts Abraham, but he trusts the servant. Now, it's one thing for Abraham to trust the servant, but it's another for Isaac to trust him. If someone was going out and choosing 
the one that you were then going to have to marry. Like, let's be real. Would you be able to trust them? You take the person who knows you the best, who loves you the most, and you send them on a journey. And you say, don't come back until you have a man or a woman for me. <laughs> and hopefully when you say that, you're still single. Do this right. <laughs> Do you trust them enough to bring back the right person? I'll tell you, I don't know who this guy is in the story. I don't know, but he's obviously a trustworthy person, no doubt. And he's faithful, he's loyal. He's someone that Abraham can depend on. He lets him touch him in places where we don't like people touching us. <laughs> we get it. But in the story, Isaac has to trust him too. And sometimes what we don't understand is that it's an indirect relationship that God is providing through. It's not always a direct line just to us. You know, sometimes I think that the way this is gonna work, the way this is gonna happen, the way that God is gonna fulfill his promise is gonna be through me. If I don't make this happen, it ain't gonna happen. What God is showing us is that God can make it happen anyhow through anyone. And he's telling us that we have to just trust God above all else. And not worry about who has the mandate in their hands. Because the one who really has the mandate to make sure that the fulfillment of the promise happens is always God. See, it doesn't matter where I live and how many options I think there are for someone like me. Or for someone like you. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because there were no options for Isaac that day. There was no technology to help him out. There was no Facebook event that he could maybe say, I'm interested. There was no one telling him, I've met somebody. I think you should go out on a date. There was no one who was able to meet this need in his life except the one who would always meet it, and that's God. Can you trust God like that? Can you make that shift? Make it. Make that shift. Change the way that you see the world and know that you don't have to go back to Mesopotamia. You can stay in Canaan and wait there because God's got this. God is going to do what he needs to do. He's going to bring into your life what needs to be brought. He's going to fulfill the promise. Can you start taking steps in that direction? I know some of us are going to be further along than, than someone else. And I, I get it. Like we're not all at the same place. But if you can start moving in this direction, God is an incredible accelerator when it comes to this stuff. Okay, I've got to wrap this up. Here's Rebecca's advice. God guides you when you live a life of service to others. You know, Rebecca goes out and sees this guy show up with all these camels and, and with this entourage of people. He doesn't know who they are, but she's the only one who meets them at the well and the only one who draws the water that they need. And interestingly enough, 
the servant didn't know who to look for, but he knew that someone would have to be a helper. Someone would have to be a partner. Someone would have to sacrifice and be willing to do what others would not be willing to do. And so when Rebecca comes to the well and starts to give them water and draws the water over and over and over again, even though he had prayed this before, she even shows up at the well. He knows this is the person because God has been guiding. And remember, an angel had gone before to prepare. And I think that when we're in a life of service to others, when we are living life already full, when we are already living life without worrying about whether or not we're going to stay single or whether or not our marriage is going to break and fall apart, whether or not we're working on ourselves, we're being the best version of ourselves, we're serving others instead of ourselves. We're not obsessed with our needs that are not being met. We're looking for people whose needs need to be met. And when we live like this, think like this, and act like this, God fulfills His promise in our lives. And I need you to capture this because this is what happens in Rebecca's life. Second thing is that God guides you when you don't know the way. Because He always knows the way and sends people into your life that know it. Because now the servant comes to her and says, hey, guess what? You know, we're going to have to leave and go to a place you've never been before. So she's got to put her faith in the one who knows the way because she doesn't know it. And sometimes we don't make a move. We're not willing to step out. We're not willing to take that chance because we don't know where we're going. We don't know where we're headed. We don't know what we're going towards. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Abraham had to do? Do you see how the promise passes down from Abraham to Isaac? And now it's also being passed down to the servant. And now it's being passed down to Rebecca. You see, the journey doesn't change for any of us. Just because you don't know the way doesn't mean that you don't get to trust the way. The truth and the life. Can we say amen to that? You have to put your faith in God. And the third thing is that God was going to encourage you and encourages her. He encourages her when she's discouraged. She teaches, he teaches her when she doesn't understand. And she comforts her even when she feels alone. The Holy Spirit comes into our life to do exactly this. The Bible says that when we're on this journey of faith, this is what he does. And even though Rebecca didn't know all these things and hadn't yet experienced them to the extent that she would one day learn them, she had to put her faith in that which was still unseen. And right now, a lot of it is like that for us. It's unseen. It's unknown. It's not understood. But God is leading us anyways. Are you ready to be led the rest of the way? to be brought into the promise. I'm going to wrap it up right here. And I want to thank you for your attention. God bless you. I hope this is a blessing to you. I'm going to ask the band to come back. And, uh, and we've got a great opportunity to just hang out and just be together at the end of this gathering. But before we do that, can we just transition um, to God again in a moment of prayer? I'm going to ask you and invite you to stand and 
and, and to pray with me. And I want to ask that you would take a moment right now and just say, God, I want you to help me with my journey of faith right now. I want you to be the God of Abraham. I want you to be the God of Isaac. I want you to be the God of the loyal friend and the God of Rebecca, but I also want you to be my God. I want the things that you were able to do for them, I want you to do them for me. The way things turned around for him, Lord, show me how I got to do things from the advice that I've heard today so that things can turn around for me. And God's going to pinpoint it exactly. He's going to show you what it is that you need to do. Where it is that you haven't been fully trusting him, believing maybe some of the lies that you've just allowed to, to seep deep down into your heart and into your life and to your decision making. God is saying, hey, I want you to make decisions differently now. And I pray that we can do that together. Can we pray? Lord, help us to make decisions differently. Help us to see you and to understand you differently. Help us to believe in your promises like never before. Help us, Lord, to stop making the same mistakes and stop going back to the same places. But now, as we have understood today, we want to live according to your promise in the promised land. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.